0: We're in 2 Timothy this morning. Please turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is way back in the New Testament. It's right after 1 Timothy, if that helps. <laughs> right before Titus. As I mentioned, we normally preach through books of the Bible. We're in ba- Matthew's Gospel right now, going verse by verse, but this month we take a special time of thinking about the Word of God, prayer, ethnic harmony, and abortion. And then we have a brother from Malawi, the warm heart of Africa, coming, Lord willing, December 1st, or the first Sunday in December, to preach our mission sermon. Honest. Some of you may know him from Westminster. But today we're in 2 Timothy 4 to think about the Word of God. The Word of God. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and part of verse 2. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. Beloved, this is the last chapter. Chapter of the last book that the Apostle Paul would write inspired by the Holy Spirit of God before he's put to death. And in the last chapter of that last book that he would write, he begins that chapter with one of the most serious, somber (sighs) charges in the whole Bible that shows us the centrality of the moment we're coming to right now. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1-2 through two. I charge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Let us pray. Father, we pray You would help us know why we do what we do. Why we do what we do on Sunday mornings. Why we give so much time to the preaching of the Word of God. Why we as elders are so adamant and unrelenting to pursue people to be here on Sunday morning to hear the preaching of the Word of God. Father, thank You that we don't do this because of man's tradition, but because You so powerfully and soberly command it here. Preach the Word. Father, help us to understand why the preaching of the Word is so central to our lives as Christians. Why the preaching of the Word is so central to the life and healthy Help, help, health of the church. Father, we pray that you would help us to uh, always have men who are qualified here to, to preach the word yes. faithfully. We pray that for, for decades and years, and if you tarry even uh, centuries to come, that the word would be faithfully preached from this pulpit. Yes. Father, we pray for ourselves that we would, would fall in love with the preached word of God. That, that we would love You and love Your Son and, and love uh, uh, Your Word so much that we would hunger and thirst for the preaching of the Word of God because we love You so much and want You so much and want to be more like You so much and want to obey You so much. And so Father, You know what You need to do in our hearts and lives as individuals and as a congregation. We pray that You would let us hear from You today. That You would speak to us today that You would save and sanctify us today, that You would show us the meaning of this text and rightly apply it to our hearts. Please do it, Holy Spirit, for the glory of the Father. Through Your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. The last two sermons that I preached here at Oni Baptist Church focused on the church. What is the church? The gathering of God's called out ones. Not a building, but the people gathered who have been called by God where the word of God and the gospel is rightly preached. Where the ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper are rightly administered or given. And where church discipline is rightly practiced. where, Where we hold our members accountable to pursue Christ and repent of sin. We thought about the officers of the church, the the two offices being elders and deacons and the the qualifications for those offices and the duties for those offices. And we thought about the importance of, of the members of the church and Christians being at church, being in this gathering on the Lord's Day on Sunday. Today, we consider the Word of God and today, I, I want to keep that church focus going, that centrality of the church focus going by encouraging you to zealously pursue the Word of God in the preaching of the Word of God in church every Sunday morning. Ligan Duncan gave a helpful il- illustration. Uh, many, many of you have probably flown on airlines and uh, you've heard... Uh, Before the flight, the the, the stewardess, the flight attendant comes over and goes through this safety, these safety instructions. And they even say, pull out the card and and watch the card. And they talk about how to put your seatbelt on and what to do in the event of a crash. And that under your seat is a flotation device. And that if they lose power, the lights come on. And what do people do during that, that, that explanation? Most people don't actually take the card out and look at it. Most people don't listen. Most people are still texting and saying their goodbyes. Most people ignore, totally ignore what's being said. But what happens when you're at 23,000 feet and an emergency all of a sudden happens? (laughs) And the pilot comes over the intercom and says, "Uh, we've lost an engine and we're going to have to find an emergency airport to land in, and I need you to do this. Guess what? Everybody's listening then. Your your focus sort of changes. Everything else in life, where you were going and where you came from and whatever was going on uh, in your past destination, that sort of all fades away, and you begin to focus on on what the, the pilot's saying because your life depends on it. Your life depends on it. Beloved, do you realize that your life depends on what happens right now? Do you come here Sunday after Sunday to hear a sermon realizing that your life very literally depends on this God-ordained event in your Christian life? I don't know that you realize how important this is. That whether you make it to heaven or go to hell, depends on what happens here in the preaching of God's Word. Whether you persevere to the end. I was speaking to a bunch of youth last night uh, at a Slavic church up in the Northeast and you know, I told them, you know, you know, th- th- think of this. I mean, I, This has happened in my own life. Many people fall away. I know many people who started out with me in the Christian walk and after 10, 20, 30 years, many of them aren't there anymore. And I said to these young people who are in high school, don't let that be you. that you make it to the end, that you persevere to the end, depends on the Word of God and your attention to the Word of God and, and what God has ordained for you. God has ordained that you be at this church. If you're a member, God has ordained this for you. He, he's ordained that you hear what is being said today. He's ordained that Christ meet with you and speak with you through, to, to you through the preacher of the Word of God during this time every Sunday morning. That's God's providence and, and ordination for you as a believer to keep you, to sanctify you. This is important. The context of 2 Timothy 4 is 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, a very familiar passage to many of you, I'm sure. All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture. Why, why do we put so much importance on Scripture? Because it's God-breathed. It's breathed out by God. Every word, every syllable, it is breathed out by God Almighty. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And by implication, that means that you might be equipped. Believer, for every good work. The focus there is on Timothy, the pastor of, of this church. But what is the pastor called to do? Ephesians 4, 11-13. He gave the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so God has given the church Pastors, elders, shepherds, teachers to equip you for the work of the ministry and to ensure that you become mature in Christ Jesus. And so Paul, inspired by the Spirit, writes about all Scripture being breathed out by God and then he says to Timothy, in very important, like like attention-getting terms, I charge you In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. I've got one thing to say to you, Timothy, here at the end of this letter, the last letter I'll write before I get my head chopped off for King Jesus. Preach the word. It's important. As I said, Ligon Duncan comments, Paul is writing his last letter to Timothy. And it's the last chapter of the last book that is inspired by the Apostle Paul that he will ever write. Inspired by God, written by the Apostle Paul. The last chapter he'll ever write and he opens it by saying, Timothy, one thing, don't you ever forget it. Preach the Word. And so point number one, the solemn, serious weightiness of this charge. Listen to these words again. I hope that you'll have this memorized by the end of the sermon. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. John Piper comments, I am not aware of any other biblical command that has such an extended, intensifying introduction, though 1 Timothy 5.21 comes close. And so we're going to think about the introduction, point number one, and then we're going to think about The charge. He says, I charge you. Paul writes, I charge you. I testify to you. One commentator comments, this has a legal nuance or a legal flavor like testifying under oath in a court of law. So the picture is of the aged apostle calling his young disciple, Timothy, to the front of God's judicial bench and charging him under oath with the awesome task of proclaiming God's Word to hearers who in a similar way will one day stand in front of that fearsome bench for judgment by Christ Jesus who will return to reign over all. And so he's charging. He's calling Timothy in a, in a legal way. To stand before God and give an account for what He's calling Him to do. And He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Beloved, when you are in the presence of, of God, it's serious business. In in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, Jesus is God. This is a serious encounter. It's a big deal. This is big time important. Remember when Moses was in the presence of God, at when the burning bush, when God spoke to him through the burning bush, take your sandals off for you stand on holy ground. Remember when Isaiah was in the presence of God, woe is me for I'm undone for I'm a man of unclean lips and I am among a people of unclean lips. When Peter was in the presence of God, Jesus, he said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. When the apostles were in the presence of King Jesus in the boat, when Jesus said, peace be still to the storm, they were more terrified now of of Jesus than they were of the storm. Being in the presence of God is serious business. It's terrifying. And Paul says, I give you this charge in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Again, Piper says, Paul is testifying to the fact that God is behind this command. God is watching over it closely to see that it is delivered. There is no higher authorization and no higher attendant to the proceeding of this testimony. And Paul goes on. He, he continues to, to, to lay description after description of the importance of this command, this charge. Who is to judge the living and the dead? Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. Paul brings up the final judgment here again highlighting that preaching is serious business. Come on now. Heaven and hell are at stake. Everlasting joy and everlasting torment are at stake. Your eternal future destiny is at stake. Again here Piper the point seems to be that when it comes to preaching, the stakes are raised higher than any rewards or threats in this life. In preaching, we are dealing with persons and realities that are vastly greater than this world. Christ is active in this world, governing the living. And Christ is always and always will be active beyond this world, dealing justly with those who have died. This glorious person is unavoidable in life and inescapable in death. Everyone meets Him as judge sooner or later these are the great matters of preaching. And finally, the Apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, and by His appearing in His kingdom. Jesus has appeared. And He will appear again at His second coming at which His kingdom will be fully realized. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and King to the glory of God the Father. And they will bow to Jesus willingly or unwillingly. They will bow. Yes. <laughs> and I wear my little shirts that say Jesus is God and I have people walk by me and snicker and say He's not God. And I, I want to say Amen. we'll see. Amen. We'll see. Amen. Yes. He will destroy all of His and our enemies on that day. Yes. And He will be in His very presence. We will be in His very presence where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. There will be no more death, no more pain, no more sin. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We have a glorious future. A glorious future. We've been saved from from a a horrific future in hell and saved to a a most amazing, unimaginable, glorious, beautiful, satisfying, pleasure-filled future in heaven in God's presence. In light of these glorious realities, God commands, preach the Word. Preach the Word. And that's point number two. Preach the Word. Listen to these verses again. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. What is preaching the Word? What does it mean to preach the Word? A summary from the Westminster Directory of Public Worship says this, the preacher should become a mouthpiece for his text, opening it up and applying it as a word from God to his hearers in order that the text may speak and be heard, making each point from his text in such a manner that his audience may discern the voice of God. Stephen Alford writes, expository preaching. That's what we normally do on a Sunday morning going through books of the Bible verse by verse by verse. Seeking to ensure that the main point of the text is the main point of the sermon. Making sure that what I say comes from the book. That's why I encourage you to have your Bibles with you. To have them open. To make sure I'm not saying anything that doesn't come from the book. Because the only authority I have is from the book. Expository preaching is the Spirit-empowered explanation and proclamation of the text of God's Word with due regard to the historical, contextual, grammatical, and doctrinal significance of the given passage with the specific object of invoking a Christ-transforming response. Roger Pascoe writes, Biblical preaching is the proclamation of God's Word in the power of the Holy Spirit that interprets its meaning accurately, explains its truth clearly, declares its message authoritatively, and applies its significance practically with relevance to contemporary life with a view to generating a spiritually transforming response in the listeners. John Piper writes, Preaching is the heralding or the announcing of the best news in the world, in the Word of God, by qualified pastor elders that make the meaning of the Word of God clear and plain to the hearer. Piper calls preaching expository exaltation. You hear some people talk about, well, what do y'all do for worship? And what they mean is, what kind of songs do you sing? And you think the worship time is the singing time. No, it is. That is worship time. But this is worship time. The preaching of the Word of God is worship time. It's a time where we're to exalt in God, to rejoice in God, delight in God as He brings His truth to you. Yes. through the preacher he's appointed to, to speak the Word of God. And so we exalt in God together. we worship God together. It's not just a lecture. It's not just conveying information, facts, but but we're worshiping God and delighting in God together as we hear from Him. What are the purposes of preaching the Word? What are the purposes of preaching the Word? I've shared this with you before, but you know, Dr. Lockridge says a sermon ought to do four things. It ought to instruct the mind. It ought to, it ought to convey information to you from God's Word and instruct your mind. It ought to warm your heart and and warm your affections to move you to delight in God and take joy in God. It ought to move your will to action. In other words, every time someone preaches here, we should be calling for a response for people to repent and believe the gospel, for for people to do something in light of what God has said to you today, and move your will to action. And number four, Lockridge said it ought to tan your hide. It ought to convict of sin. It ought to convict you of sin, of ways you're not living up to God's standard in ways that you, you need to repent. So some people come to church and they, they just want some like fluffy, sentimental, like Hallmark card thing. I, I heard one pastor say Jesus never talked about the love of God to sinners. He always talked about sin and damnation to sinners. I don't know if we would know Jesus sometimes if we met him. He's just so different than some of the ways we've conceived of him. Read your Bibles and get to know him. See how he talks about sin. See how he brings up sin. See how he talked to the woman at the well. You've had, uh, uh, the man you're with is not your husband, and uh, you've had five husbands, and the man you're now with is not your husband. I mean, he brought up sin. He talked about hell more than anyone else in the Bible combined. He wasn't a Hallmark card preacher. So I'm just trying to be like Jesus when I talk about hell. And sin and damnation. Sorry if I'm too much like Jesus. Sorry. Not sorry. Because when you get the fact that hell is unbelievably horrific and you see your sin as, as unbelievably evil, friend, the gospel becomes sweet to you. The fact that Jesus has saved you from that, yes. He saved you from your sin, He saved you from hell, it will make you skipping, shouting, jumping, dance. Oh, yes. Yes. Hallelujah. And He has. He has. He saves sinners. Yes. He saves sinners of whom I'm chief. What are the purposes of preaching the Word of God? The Westminster Larger Catechism question 155 helps us with this. And listen to how these old, biblical, Spirit-filled writers uh, thought of preaching. How is the Word, the Word of God, made effectual to salvation? The answer is, the Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially, especially the preaching of the Word an effectual means. Of all of these good purposes for us. And we're going to go through those together. But just notice that. The reading of the Word is effectual. But especially the preaching of the Word of God. Beloved, if, I, if you had to choose between reading through the Bible in your own personal devotions this year and being here on Sunday morning, be here on Sunday morning. I, I want you to get that priority. If you have to choose between reading through your Bible in a year and having personal devotions with God or being here Sunday morning, I'm going to tell you every time, be here Sunday morning. Yes. Thankfully, we don't have to choose. Amen. And so I would encourage you to do both. Amen. But just note that the Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, yes. An effectual means of... And now we're going to think about all these ways that the Word is effectual for our growth in Christ. A means of enlightening. A means of enlightening. The the preaching of the Word of God enlightens you to know the Word of God. Nehemiah 8, 7-8, the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God clearly and they gave the sense... So that the people understood the reading. And so God uses the preaching of the word, the explaining of the word of God to help the people of God understand the reading and what the word of God means. God uses the preaching of the word to enlighten his people. Acts 26, 17 through 18. I'm sending you, Jesus, King Jesus says to, to Paul, I'm sending you to open their eyes. To open their eyes. So that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in Me. God uses His preachers to preach the Word and that opens the eyes of sinners to turn them from darkness to light. Yeah. Secondly, the preaching of the Word is especially a means of convincing and humbling sinners. Yes. The preaching of the Word is especially a means of convincing And humbling sinners. Acts 2 14 and 37. Remember the great sermon Peter preached on Pentecost. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, and he preached this amazing sermon filled with the word of God, Christ centered, expositing the words of God. And then when they heard this sermon, verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. It's good to be cut to the heart and convicted of your sins. It, it, it's not a reason to, to, to whine because the preacher made you feel bad about your life. It's, it's, it's a reason to rejoice that God is using His Word to show your sin that you can repent and be more like Jesus. You see? They were cut to the heart and wrote an email to Peter saying, Lighten up. Don't be so hard on us. Talk about love more. That's not what the text says. It's not in the book. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And he said, repent, turn from your sins and be saved. Reformation 21 article containing commenting on Peter's sermon at Pentecost comments that it's a Christ-centered sermon. Lifted up Christ. And yet he didn't hold back. He said, you crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> I mean, whoo! It's filled with Scripture. I like to quote a bunch of Bible in my sermons. Because God says it better than I do. It's expository. He's explaining Old Testament Scriptures and how they're fulfilled in Jesus. It's serious. It's personal. It's it's Spirit-empowered. It's Gospel-saturated. It exposes sin and calls people to repentance. It's evangelistic and it presses for a response. This is what the preached Word of God does. Third, the preaching of the Word is especially a means of driving sinners out of themselves and drawing them unto Christ. Christ. What were Jesus' first words that He spoke in public ministry? God loves you and has a special plan for your life. No. (laughs) Those weren't Jesus' first words. His his first words in in, in Matthew 4.17 from the time Jesus began to preach saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Spurgeon has a sermon called, called Jesus' first and last words. Repent. And at the end of his teaching in Luke, repent. Turn from sin. Turn from sin and, and believe the Gospel. The preaching of the Word is especially a means of driving sinners out of themselves. That's repentance. To turn away from self and sin and drawing them unto Christ. Yes. To Jesus. Acts 5.42 And every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. We preach Christ crucified. Paul said to the Corinthians, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Titus 1, 1-3, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in His Word yes. through the preaching. Through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Wow! I never noticed that. It's like everything is leading up to this moment in time where Christ would be preached. Preached. Friend, have you heard the preaching of the Word in such a way that you've been driven out of yourselves and drawn unto Christ? Have you done that, young people? Have you heard the preaching of the Word of God in such a way that you've been driven out of yourself and driven to Jesus Christ? We, we preach it every Sunday. I mean, the Bible teaches that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We, we have had wrong views of Jesus. Yeah. We, we've made Jesus in our own image. like We're like this, and so we make Jesus like we are. And that's a sin we've lied and cheated and stolen we've we've committed sexual immorality we've had sex outside of marriage we've been addicted to pornography we've looked with lust which jesus says is adultery we've murdered people and jesus spoke of how anger in the heart is is like murder and so we murder people with our anger and our foul mouths when God says, let no unholy communication come out of your mouths, and we take God's name in vain, saying, I I don't even want to say it. It's blasphemy. We're using Jesus' name as, a, as an exclamation. Oh, blaspheme God. We've all sinned against Him. We all deserve hell. We deserve judgment. But the good news is God loves sinners. God loves sinners, and so He sent His Son... Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, into the world. And Jesus, unlike us, lived a perfect life. A perfectly holy, humble, loving life. And He came preaching like no man ever preached. They said of Him, no man ever spoke like this man. He came loving like no man ever loved, healing the sick, causing the blind to see, making the deaf hear, raising people from the dead. Bearing with His disciples patiently after over and over again, they just don't get it. He's patient. He's compassionate. And He did that all the way to death on a cross where He suffered the curse and wrath and judgment of God that we deserve. He took the hell that we deserve. He took the everlasting torment and judgment that we deserve. He took that all upon Himself and cried out, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? He was forsaken by God as sin even though he knew no sin. He died and was buried. But then the third day Come on now. the third day he rose from the dead. He conquered sin, death, and hell. Muhammad's dead. Any Muslims here today? Let me tell you, your prophet is dead. He cannot save you. You will end up dead like him. Any Buddhist here today, I love you enough to tell you, Buddha is dead. He cannot help you. Every religious teacher, leader, founder, king, president, they're dead or will die. Jesus rose from the dead. He is King. He is Lord. He is God. And He calls everyone everywhere to turn from sin and believe in Him. And friend, if you do that, you shall be saved today. You shall be saved today. You can hear, just, just as the, the, the thief heard Jesus say, today you shall be with me in paradise. You can hear those words from Jesus yourself if you repent and believe on Him today because you will be with Him in paradise when you die. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You, you can't be good enough for it. Your, your morality won't save you. Nothing you can do will earn heaven for you. You can't be bad enough. You can't out Jesus. No matter what you've done, if you repent and believe, you'll be saved. It'll be wiped away. It'll be washed clean. The the hymn says, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. And so don't let anything hinder you from coming. Just receive Him. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. To Him who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, His faith is counted as righteousness. Friend, would you do that today and be saved? And then come. Come with expectation to hear from Jesus. Beloved, do you realize when you come to church on Sunday, God has appointed you to be here to hear from Christ. Through the mouthpiece, He's ordained to be your shepherd. He's ordained that you hear from Jesus through the Word of God preached. It's important. Important things going on during this time. Continue with the the, the purposes of preaching. The preaching of the Word is especially a means of conforming saved sinners into the Christ's image and subduing them to His will. Colossians 1.28 Him, Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We proclaim Jesus and we warn everyone And teach everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We preach that you might be mature, that you might grow and be all that God wants you to be in Jesus. God does that especially through the preaching of the Word. The preaching of the Word is especially a means of strengthening saved sinners against temptations and corruptions. This is meant to strengthen you that you will not fall away But keep persevering in faith. Romans 16.25 Now to Him who is able to strengthen you according to My Gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. God aims to strengthen you, believer, through the preaching of the Word of God according to the Gospel that you might persevere into the end, that you might fight temptation, that you might turn from sin and lead a holy life. 1 Corinthians 1, 23-24, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is preached here and He's the power of God and the wisdom of God that you might be strengthened against temptation corruptions. 6. The preaching of the Word is especially a means of building saved sinners up in grace and establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith into salvation. Romans 1.15 So I I am eager to preach the Gospel to you also who are in Rome. Paul writes to this church in Rome, these Christians, and says, I'm eager to preach the Gospel to you. Why, Why is he eager to preach the Gospel to Christians? Because it's through the Gospel that we're strengthened. You need to be reminded of the Gospel. You need to be reminded of what God has done for you in Christ. And it's through that that you are built up in grace and established in holiness and comforted through faith into salvation. If we read on in 2 Timothy 4, right after preach the Word, we read, Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Yes. And, and so, again, the context of this command of God, preach the Word, is rebu- reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience. And, and he, he warns there's coming a time when people aren't going to endure sound teaching. Yes. They're going to go after what their itching ears want to hear. I want to hear about health, wealth, and prosperity. I don't want to hear about this bloody cross. I don't want to hear about hell. Ooh, ooh. No, I want to go somewhere where I just get, feel good. And get told I'm going to be rich and have all this stuff and everything's going to be great in life. But friend, that, that's not biblical. That, that, that's you, your itching ears, seeking what you want to hear. And, and I'm called to, to tell you what God says and the way that He says it. And I'm telling you, you're going to have a better dance when you get hell in Jesus. Yes. You're going to have a better dance and deeper joy Come on now. when you get hell and you realize Jesus has saved you from hell and in the future He saved you too. There's going to be not a paper-thin joy, but but a deep, unshakable joy that perseveres through any trial. Because you know God. And you live for His glory. One of the reasons I wanted to preach on this today, on preaching, is when I was in England, I heard a wonderful lecture on preaching by Eunice's pastor, Pastor Oliver Almond Smith. And he gave... Uh, four purposes of preaching so in addition to the confession the catechism I want to go through the ones he he gave very briefly number one preaching is for the glory of God and the exaltation of Christ w- what is the main reason we do everything we do for the glory of God Isaiah 48 9 through 11 God makes it very clear that in his Mercy on Israel, he's doing it for his glory first and foremost. For my name's sake I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profane? My glory I will not give to another. Yes. What, what is the main reason Christians do all they do? For the glory of God. You know, I often get asked, you street preach, what fruit have you seen? Because they want to hear numbers. Have you seen anybody converted? Almost all of these purposes for preaching have nothing to do with numbers and people being converted. In other words, it's always successful when you do it biblically. If I preach here today for the glory of God, the, the main purpose that God be glorified is accomplished. That's the fruit. <laughs> We're too man-centered to hear things like that. Number two, God's will is made known to all His creatures in the preaching of God's Word. God's will is made known. It's important for me to go to broad and awning and preach because people in that corner need to know God's will. They need to know that abortion is murder. They need to know that sex outside of marriage is, is, is sin and leads to hell. They need to know that homosexuality is a sin and leads to hell. They need somebody in the culture proclaiming God's will that comes from the Bible. They, we, the world needs that. The world needs to hear the will of God that comes from the Word of God. And, and if you go do that faithfully to the Bible, then you're successful. There's fruit. You're proclaiming God's will to the world. That's a purpose of preaching. God's will is in God's Word, and preachers are to preach the Word. And we make known His will to creatures. Number three, God's people are effectually called and all God's elect are saved. Yes. God is not going to leave anybody behind. He's going to get every single person He chose before the foundation of the world. All His elect will be saved through the preaching of the Word of God. And so we go preach because His elect are, are, are here this morning. And His elect are out there on, at Broad and Olney. And we preach knowing that He'll call every one of them and it will be successful. Number four, sinners are exposed as wicked and sin is shown to be wicked when we preach the Word of God faithfully. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10 Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Sinners are exposed as wicked. And sin is shown to be wicked when we faithfully preach. And fifth, he says, we hasten the day of Christ's return. we preach the Gospel, when we preach the Word, we hasten the day of Christ's return. Matthew 24, 14. And this Gospel of the Kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. That's the end of the exposition of our passage today. And now, what what should you do? I mean, practically, what should you do? Well, I mean, you should really take what we're doing here seriously. (laughs) That's one thing you should get from these verses. This is a serious business. I should really take seriously what we're doing and and, and obey the command here, preach the Word in light of the fact that he's in God's presence, in the presence of Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, who will return and and usher in His kingdom. Preach the Word. What should you do as as a congregation? Several things. Number one, prepare. Prepare for this. I, I wonder if you really see these moments on Sunday as the most important part of your week such that you prepare for it. I mean, you prepare for things that are important, right? If you have a job interview, you you set your clothes out, you iron them, you make sure you look good, you get there on time, you make sure you're early, You, 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 you prepare for something that's important. Beloved, I'm telling you, there is no more important appointment you have than every Sunday morning at 10.30 here meeting with God's people. Nothing trumps that. Nothing in your life. No appointment you have trumps the importance of that meeting. So you should prepare for it. You should prepare for this this meeting. Pray for the preacher. Pray for me. Pray that I would be faithful as I study throughout the week to to rightly divide and understand the Word of God. Pray for me as I prepare to preach. Whoever's preaching that week, pray for them that we would would faithfully study and and prepare a, a faithful sermon. Pray for yourselves. That you would be ready to hear what Jesus has appointed for you to hear that day. Again, beloved, God has called you to this assembly. He's called me to be your shepherd. He's called you to be here and to hear what Jesus has to say to you through His Word by His mouthpiece. The pastor He's ordained to be the pastor of Only Baptist Church. Pray. Pray for yourselves that you would be ready to receive and hear. Get enough sleep on Saturday night. Come on. Prepare. Prepare. Go to bed early if you need to. We got an extra hour last night. Someone wrote me and said, Pastor, I don't think you've reminded everybody about the time change. This is the time change I don't remind y'all about because if y'all forget this time, you'll be early. <laughs> now in the spring, I remind you. <laughs> but we got an extra hour last night. But, but, but you know... Sometimes people say, I'm I'm tired. Well, go to bed earlier. Turn off the tube. Amen. And get sleep. Get sleep. Some of us say we don't have enough time. If I begin to ask questions about how you spend your time, TV, things, I'm sure we could find some things to cut out. Get the proper sleep to be here so that you're awake and alert and ready to hear from Jesus. And read the Word regularly throughout the week. Yes. I'm still going to encourage you to re- read the Bible. Be in the Word uh, because that prepares you then to come and hear the Word on Sunday. Yes. And so be reading the Word regularly throughout the week. So that's, that's number one. That's prepare. Number two, be present. Be present. I mean, we thought about this a lot. The last time I preached, come to church and hear in person. Mm-hmm. This gathering is special. Yes. This gathering is special. Matthew 18.20, Jesus said, For where two or three are gathered in My name, there am I among them. And yes, the, the, the main focus of that text is on the, 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 the judicial renderings of church discipline. But I believe it does have application for this gathering. Because this is the context in which which the Holy Spirit calls us to make those kind of judicial uh, uh, declarations. Christ is present here in a special way. In a special way when you're gathered with other believers. John Murray, uh, a professor, a former professor at Westminster Seminary who's now with the Lord, he wrote about this passage uh, where two or three are gathered uh, in my name, there I am among them. And he said this, we come together to meet with Christ. Do you realize that, beloved? When you meet here on the Lord's Day, you meet with Christ in a special way. We come together to meet with Christ. The requirement is surely the the counterpart of the promise. There I am in the midst of them. Jesus never fails to keep the appointment. It is this peculiar manifestation of Jesus' presence that must come within the design and expectation of our gathering together. If we are to come in Jesus' name, if the assembly of the saints is the instituted means... So naught else is the means of expressing the unity of the body of Christ. There is surely in that assembly a presence of Christ that cannot be duplicated in any other exercise. Under the Old Testament, there was the tent of meeting. Why was it called such? There the people met with God. Jesus is now the tabernacle, and He fulfills that of which the tabernacle in Israel was both a symbol and the anticipation. There I am in the midst of them." How is Christ present in the assemblies of His people? Do not be surprised if the question is somewhat baffling. There is much in this reality that passes knowledge and understanding. The Apostle Paul speaks of the love of Christ that passes knowledge and the peace of God that passes all understanding. It is likewise with this question. Are we not encompassed with mystery when we read the words of Jesus, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him? Christ's presence with his assembled people is a precious reality, but one that surpasses understanding. Yet it is to be apprehended and experienced and enjoyed with a joy that is unspeakable. And because that is because that is so, we can say certainly things about it. Christ is present by his word and spirit. And so prepare and be present. Number three, be alert. Be alert. Uh, I would include in that be on time, be be here on time, be awake, be be, be awake. I, I when I was in college, if we fell asleep in class, they would. I was in I was in a military school. They would make us stand up in the back. That I, that that would be awesome if you if you're having trouble staying awake. If you went to stand in the back, because that tells me you really think what's going on here is important. It, it's important enough for you to sort of embarrass yourself and confess yeah i was sort of nodding i'm going to get up i'm going to stand in the back because i want to hear what jesus has to say to me be alert actively listen sometimes people think oh just sit in the pew that's just i'm just passive no no you're you're hearing what the living christ has to say to you through his word it's not passive It's to be active. God appointed you to be here on this day. He appointed me to preach from this text. He appointed me to be the preacher. And He appointed what I'm saying to you for you to hear from Christ. So actively listen to what Christ has to say to you. You may want to even take notes. Number four, listen with the expectation to hear from God and be changed. Some of these I got from an old Scottish pastor, James Durham. Listen with expectation. Come expecting to meet with Jesus and be changed. To not leave like you came. We, we want to be sanctified. We want to be more holy, more loving, more faithful. We, we expect to, 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 for God to act. Yes. Come with expectation to hear from God and be changed. Number five, listen prayerfully. Pray. Lord, help me hear. Help me preach. Six, listen with humility and submission. Listen. Number seven, listen with a desire to obey. I'll I'll put those together. We want to submit and humble ourselves under every part of this book. And we want to obey the Word. We don't just want to be hearers. We want to be doers of the Word. Listen without distraction. That's why we silence our cell phones. Try to do whatever you can to, to minimize distraction that you can hear what Christ has to say to you through the preaching of the Word. Nine, listen with reverence. Again, beloved, just listen to to the importance that God places on the preaching of the Word from our text. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Listen with reverence. Our God is a consuming fire. He's speaking. Listen with reverence. And number 10, I I would encourage you to discuss the sermon afterward over lunch. Um, When I was uh, in in a a church when I was in in Norfolk, Virginia, in the Navy, uh, there was a family. I've spoken to you about them before, but I think that they had like 10 children. But every Sunday they would invite people over for lunch and have a whole crowd and Every, every Sunday, they would go around and everybody present would, would What what's something that you uh, learned from the sermon or you were helped by? And everybody had something. And parents, I would just encourage you, if you train your, your, your children to do that from the time they're little tots, they're going to be able to talk about God Amen. and talk about sermons and talk about what they learn and encourage others by articulating truth. And so, parents and friends, I would encourage you, talk about the sermon. Talk about the text. Talk about what you learned. Talk about what you were encouraged by. Talk about how you were convicted of sin. When I was over in England this past week, the pastor had a bunch of people over to his house after the sermon, and that's what they did. Go around and talk about what you learned. And his 15-year-old daughter had the most to say, because she's probably been doing it since she was a little tot. So discuss what you've learned. And that's why we do these discussions afterwards. To discuss the sermon, encouraging people to think. What are you learning? How are you encouraged by the Word of God? And we want to grow in that. Beloved, hear this, this final word by John Piper. God did not ordain the cross of Christ or create the lake of fire in order to communicate the insignificance of belittling His glory. The death of the Son of God and the damnation of unrepentant human beings are the loudest shouts under heaven that God is infinitely holy and sin is infinitely offensive and wrath is infinitely just and grace is infinitely precious. And our brief life and the life of every person in your church and in your community leads to everlasting joy, or everlasting pain. This has got to grip us. There is a weight to this office. If our preaching does not carry the weight of these things to our people, what will? Veggie tales? Radio? Television? Discussion groups? Emergent conversations? God planned for His Son to be crucified and for hell to be terrible so that we would have the clearest witness possible To what is at stake when we preach. What gives preaching its seriousness is that the mantle of preaching is soaked with the blood of Jesus and singed with the fire of hell. That's the mantle that turns mere talkers into preachers. Yet, tragically, some of the most prominent evangelical voices today diminish the horror of the cross and the horror of hell. Beloved, I don't want to be one of those. I don't want to be a, a, a preacher who diminishes the horror of the cross or diminishes the horror of hell because I want you to have joy in God that surpasses understanding. And, and we have, I mean, Jesus makes all of this possible. Jesus is the one who makes this glorious thing we do every Sunday in the preaching of God's word. He is the one who makes all of this possible that we can hear the, the word of God and be encouraged. Uh, in the salvation that we have because of all that He did for us on the cross. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And we preach Him. We preach Him. And you hear from Him through the preaching of the Word. And so I encourage you, beloved, give yourselves. Give yourselves in 2023 to the preaching of God's Word like you never have before. Christ says to pastors, preach the Word. Instruct the mind so truth is heard. Warm the heart so joy is stirred. Move the will to do the Word. Convict of sin, repent and turn. God's glory is our most great concern. God's will made known so we will learn. God's people called and saved. Discern the wickedness of sinners burn. We hasten Jesus' great return. For He has died and rose to spurn the death and darkness we did earn. So now for Him we long and yearn, for He's our all and great concern. Him we preach, repent, and turn. (sighs) Father, thank You so much that You've ordained especially the preaching of the Word to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask that You would help us give ourselves seriously to, to the seriousness and, 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 and centrality of the preaching of God's Word here on Sunday morning. Help me, Father, be a faithful preacher. Help the other pastors here and those who preach here be faithful preachers of the Word of God. Thank You for Isaac and his faithful sermon last week preaching to us the Word of God. Father, we pray that there will always be faithful preachers here to preach the Word and do so in a way that pleases You. Father, we ask that we would be a people who make You and Your Word and the preaching of the Word and the gathering of people central in importance in our lives. We ask, oh God, You would save sinners. We pray You would build people up in the faith. We pray that You would conform us to the image of Jesus and bring us to full maturity in Christ. And we ask it all for Jesus' sake. Amen.